Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was, to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp, and welcome back to another episode of the Keto Naturopath. Today is going to be a prequel to a conversation we're going to have over a couple of episodes with Dr. Stephen Kinane. So Dr. Stephen Kinane is kind of a hero of mine, and I'll say on the outset that it probably has affected the way I interviewed him. Perhaps a little bit too much enthusiasm led to some of my questions being somewhat inarticulate. But here's my perspective and why I have that enthusiasm for him. I'll get into some of what, you know, his online credentials are, and they are all really interesting. But when I went to my first metabolic therapy conferences about five years ago at the University of South Florida, it was a small group of us. There's just 60 of us and outstanding speakers from Jeff Folick, Stephen Conane, Steve Finney, of course, Dom. Dom, this was in essence Dominic D'Agostino's conference at the time and uh, his lab. So in that context, and I was coming to it because I had been on, my wife and myself had been on the ketogenic diet for the better part of, I think, four years at that point, three or four years. And I was coming because it had just you know, I'm a naturopathic doctor, practiced 16 years clinically in my own practice, and I never got into the ketogenic diet. And I'm feeling I missed a big thing. So then I got, you've heard my story before, then I got very sick, and my wife did, and so on. If you haven't heard that, you can go back and listen to it in an interview somebody had with me. But so I was coming not so much as weight loss, not so much for uh, Alzheimer's or anything else. I was coming to how did this affect my uh, immune system so well? I mean, I I wasn't on the medications that all these gastroenterologists uh, said I should have been on. You know, giving yourself injections to anti-tumor necrosis factor alpha. Those are shots you have to give yourself every day. There was um, other medications I was supposed to be on. And basically, I got myself off these medications and said, screw it, I'm just not following that path. And it, those medications did have severe side effects from my perspective and my experience. So given that, I was there after deeper information, not just a parade of people that have lost weight. So that conference clearly was amazing because it was it covered a lot of epilepsy, of course. Uh, Charlie Foundation was there as well. So when Stephen Kinane 
he gave a talk, but he also had a poster presentation out in the hallway that compared uh, C8 versus C10. So combined, we collectively now see that as an MCT oil, medium chain triglyceride. So you can get that in any health food store, in any grocery store now. They're nearly all coconut derived, the C8, C10 combo product. But he differentiated these oils, separated them, and showed that C8 was far more effective, faster for creating ketones, measurable in the blood. His focus generally was to call him a brain metabolism guy. My wording, but that's his focus, and it's very interesting. So that got my attention, and I and I was thinking, you know, some of the presentations, Tom Siegfried was there too, some of them were pretty complicated presentations, and you really had to just hang on to the details and then go up and ask questions. And uh, it was rich, but just like eating a rich meal, halfway through you, I think I'm tired. I'm mentally tired. So uh, so when when uh, Dr. Kinane had his poster presentation out in the uh, foyer there, surrounded by a lot of people, and then brought it up in his presentation again, that I'm thinking, it can't be that simple. You can't just take, this is before I think I even knew about the effectiveness of MCT oils in general. And I can't remember if I knew enough to differentiate between C8 and C10. But however, I saw that and I go, seriously? Just take C8 and you're going to get ketones in your blood? Come on. You know, aren't we, didn't we just take something really pretty complex and make it really pretty simple? And no, um, truly not. It's just that simple. So that's where I started. And because of that presentation, because of his poster primarily, and then his subsequent presentation, and then other presentations I'll talk about later that he's done, um, I got very interested and emailed him with some questions and he would get back. And as I started this podcast a couple, nearly a couple of years ago, I'd asked if I could uh, interview him. And he said, yeah, though we never committed. And so we, we finally got that taken care of. And now I want to go back and do another one. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot to cover. So I would say that he is uh, a specialist on uh, certainly saturated fats, uh, a specialist on imaging of the brain. Uh, it's too easy to, to oversimplify, to reduce the bulk of the work of one individual. He has done so much. And I'll name that off in a second. But what was really interesting, he was the first one I've ever seen, and he uh, is a world authority on this, probably the preeminent world authority on imaging and brain relative to ketone uptake. So you've probably all heard about PET scans, positron emission tomography. And what that is, is basically tracking the uptake of glucose. So it's has a very short half-life radioactive tracer associated with glucose. So you get to see the brain light up, right? You get to see where it's being, what parts of the brain are active given various activities. So it's used in so many different things. So you'd have the glucose, that is the PET scans, but he, Sherbrooke University, which is where he is now and been there for the last 15 years, that his thing was they had a special, if you will, a ketone PET scan. So it was an imaging study specifically about ketones. So he could see where ketones are being taken up. And so there began the reality. So he could see this. It wasn't anything hypothetical. 
as he referenced in his podcast, in our interview, that it had been alleged before that ketones were a good fuel for the brain and they could do all these wonderful things, but it wasn't really ever documented. So he took pictures. There it is. And it was really interesting when you see how the aging brain, certainly it varies per person, but some have, you know, get into a declining ability to take up glucose, but that their ability to take ketones stays the same as long as you have ketones in your, in your body, in your diet, and you can create, you can create them. So that was, that's a very big deal. So you couple that with uh, Dr. Mary Newport's presentation of her husband who passed from Alzheimer's, but that she brought in MCT oils in his uh, last year or two of life, and it made a difference. It didn't save him, but it was a big wake-up call. And so you couple these two together and you go, oh my gosh, this is, it's a whole new door that opened about uh, ketones and brain health. So given that, as, as I say, I, I would say, and I think he might agree with me, that he's the preeminent person on the information that came from being able to image so many uh, brains relative to their ketone uptake, and now he's gone well beyond all that. And But that's interesting. So I wanted to go back. Here's a guy who uh, we crossed paths, sort of, as I say, like ships in the night. He previously had... Um, I guess I should read his bio, so then I'll throw myself into his bio a little later. He obtained his PhD at McGill University in 1980, followed by postdoc research in nutrition and brain development in Aberdeen, London. He's part Scottish, by the way. London and Nova Scotia. He was a member of the Department of Nutrition Science at the University of Toronto from 86 to, 90, uh, to 2003. And that's where I had crossed paths with him. We never met, but I was coming back from the oil field I'd only had two years of undergrad at the University of New Hampshire behind me, and I was going to finish up at U of T, University of Toronto. So I was concerned about my getting my prereqs down for zoology. So he had other really interesting courses. I remember seeing his name. His courses were recommended. I just had to get my prereqs out of the way. You know, do the hard work, not the fun work. So we never met. But uh, it was interesting. So now I can see he's built upon that. He then... In 2003, he was awarded Senior Canada Research Chair at the Research Center on Aging and became a full professor at the Departments of Medicine and Physiology and Biophysics at, the, at Sherbrooke University. Now, it's interesting. He's bilingual. He's French. Sometimes when he speaks, you can tell he's been in the French, he's been speaking French probably nonstop for a while. He has a kind of a slight Quebecois sort of aspect to him. And uh, I think he lives in a phenomenal part of the world. I know that he likes to cross-country ski a lot, and that he's planning sometime to go up skiing in the Arctic under the Northern Lights. And so he's very active. His mind is very curious about different things. And he's written, um, a, he's written obviously, a lot of papers, and I'll get into that briefly. I think it's important that you know how comprehensive it is when we go to talk. And uh, he's such such a regular guy. But one of the books that he has written, he's written over 280 papers and five books. One on flaxseed and human health, and two on nutritional metabolic constraints on human brain evolution. But the book that I really liked was Survival of the Fattest, The Key to Human Brain Evolution. It has just set up a lot of different things. We talk a little bit about that on the, on the podcast, but... For those of you who are trying to look for quick fixes for mental health or mental clarity, whatever it is you, you, you 
think that that represents in your life. This book gives you a background of, and I think evolution is important because our, our bodies did evolve and they can't suddenly change to a whole different food, fake food that a lot of us are eating today. That's one of the points, but a lot of treasures to discover in the reading of that book. And I will bring it up on the podcast with him later. Okay. So let me also just give you an, an example of some of the papers that he has written in, if you go to PubMed, just punch in PubMed and after that type in Cunane, C-U-N-N-A-N-E, you'll see not his, maybe his 200 papers, but it goes on and on and on. It's not a long time ago he was publishing. It's his most recent one, according to this, is Can Ketones Help Rescue Brain Fuel Supply Later in Life? And that was 2018. Problems with Essential Fatty Acids, Time for a New Paradigm, DHA and homostasis, brain aging, et cetera, et cetera. So he's deep into it, but he can speak so we can all understand him and have some takeaways that we can use in our day-to-day life. So I think it was important for me to give that kind of background on him and to say, and I will put these as links, by the way, in the show notes, but some of the really interesting uh, talks and presentations is he was on Stem Cell, which is a podcast that they interview some really you know, the interesting, most interesting thinkers of today and podcast is part of what they call, um, it's kind of the, uh, the podcast version of the Institute for Human and Mechanical Cognition. And it's a great podcast. And so they fire away some tough questions. And then he was on, he did a presentation for them that night. And you can see that as a YouTube, that's maybe a half hour, 45 minutes, and then there's another link at Ohio State Conference in which he talked about brain rescue, specifically around the saturated fats and ketone levels. Very interesting. So I hope it doesn't sound too technical. These are all things that you can use. And there's a lot of common sense in what he says and a lot of history and a lot of evolution. So that's part of who he was. His book's now been it first came out in 2005, again in 2006, and the third printing was 2013. And so on and on it goes. So one of the things that, as I said, when I first heard him, it put me on to saturated fats. You know, I was coming from a perspective of, I don't know how good or bad saturated fats are. I know they're much maligned from the the former paradigm that saturated fats are maligned. We've been living in for the last 60 years by Ansel Keys and the whole statin thing, et cetera, et cetera. But, and it wasn't something that people came into my office as patients and said, this is the amount of saturated fats that I'm having. You know, it wasn't something you could tease out independently as a product. Now it's all over the place. So it was a different time then. We were we were still trying to get people off the processed food as the whole foods. That was usually a big first step for really anything you wanted to help treat. But uh, saturated fats were not something that I was really, really knowledgeable on right down to what happens. So it ends up that caprylic acid triglyceride, C8 triglyceride, those are three fatty acids tied together in a glycerol molecule, as I've talked before, like that letter E with little ester bonds if you need to know. So that was very effective. You take that and it is quickly digested by your small intestine, sent off to the liver, and the liver makes it into uh, ketones. And shazam, within 15 minutes, you're making all three ketones. And that's something. 
we tend to only talk about beta-hydroxybutyrate, BHB. We don't talk much about uh, acetoacetate or even acetone. So uh, my understanding of that is, though there is some research on that, but you know, you're dwarfed by the amount of, to the, to the degree there is any research on ketones, BHB is a mountain of information and ACAC, acetoacetate, is not that much and even less about acetones. Acetone, by the way, is the thing if you're up to it and you see I, I have these breath ketone meters, well, they're measuring your acetone. And so they're trying to make a link between acetone levels and your blood levels of BHB. I don't know how valid they are, but it obviously will become progressively more valid or there'll be enough information to say it's good or it's not good. Then you have acetoacetate, which comes out from the liver and it's quickly converted into BHB. So it happens so quickly it's harder to measure. That's my understanding. But it has its own independent benefits. So the reason I say this is because when you're eating, consuming fat, any fat that eventually is broken down, some of these fats that are broken down into C8, that and, and or taking C8, so if you're taking your medium chain triglycerides, which is C8 and C10, that, you know, they come in and they make, it's food, it's real food, it's found in the world. It might be a little refined, meaning they, you know, when you eat coconut, you eat the whole coconut, but in the coconut, there is MCT oil. You don't just say, I'm going to eat the MCT oil part of the coconut. If you had a real coconut in your hand, it has to be refined, just like olive oil is refined from olives, right? Okay, and so the real food produces all three ketones or ketone bodies. When you take and compare that to exogenous ketones, exogenous ketones are just BHB. So they have a strong, very quick BHB reaction. So to me, it's almost kind of a moot point when they compare and say, hey, exogenous ketones. We get into a little bit of that with Dr. Conane, but given commercial interests and everything else, it's just not something that was great to pursue because you don't want to speak negatively of things like that. And so I certainly didn't push the conversation there. But I found C8, after I discovered it through Dr. Kanane's talks, that uh, is remarkable. You know, you now now that we all have our own ketometers, ketometers, and hopefully you have ketomojo so you can measure your glucose and your ketones, you realize that you take C8 in your coffee and on your salad, wherever you want to put it on your meat, you will see ketones within 15 minutes. To me, that's almost immediately. So that's very, very fast. And that it actually stays, you know, for well over three hours. If you just want to measure it. I went as far as communicating with a friend to get a correct dosing schedule. If I wanted to compare, you know, per body weight, how much oil you'd have to take, you know, as you increase oil every other day, you know, to have wash out and to sort of see how efficient this is. I've never actually done the whole day, you know, to, to have that much oil by seven days out. That's a lot of oil you're taking. But what I see is that it is very effective. And I've had ketones up to numbers, even up to seven. We've gone and made our mayo from it, which is a kind of a fallback form of including it on our food. So it's not just always straight C8. Um, and I think that's fine. I think it's a wise way of using a very clever you know, the, the effectiveness of C8 in your day-to-day -day food. So back to Stephen Kinane. In his book, he sets, and I think you should know this, it's not a cheap book, but it's a wonderful book, and I think it's worth every penny, 
that gives you the context of how we evolved. You know, why did saturated fats even, how did they become so effective? You know, now that we know that, now that we simply have this in the store and you can go buy it, you can go measure it. Well, now it's like, well, duh. Well, it wasn't so duh before. It wasn't so obvious before. And now you realize that it's really the energy source. The ketones is the energy source. So those fats are the energy fats. They're not the fats that are used for uh, the structure, the infrastructure of cells and so on and so forth. Those are the longer chain fatty acids like your polyunsaturated, your DHAs, your EPAs, those are your essential fats and, and others. Not to make this an entirely fats story, but it is worth knowing something about it. And if you're thinking, I'm hoping you're interested in, in some of the, the, the technical background because I hope you're not just thinking, give me the shortcut, give me the hack. I really hate that expression, by the way, because every time somebody says, I want the biohack, I want the hack, I think I'm talking to an idiot. And I kind of tend to walk away if I can. So it's understanding why C8 is so effective is because that's what's been used in our body for the quick energy, the time. So when your body is starving, it makes ketones. It's basically the quick energy to keep you going so you don't just fall apart. So it had a place. We've talked about that before. So I hope you're not the person that says, I'm going to go out and buy a bunch of this stuff because I want to have ketones in my brain. I want to have ketones in my body. It's not that way. And if you're already having a high sugar, high carb diet, and you're throwing in fats, that's probably a very dangerous thing for you to do. So please do not do that. Please be a little more thoughtful and use this as a condiment. And um, research is certainly out there. You can email me, as people do, and ask about all this and hope you think about getting a sustainable product, which ours is the only one. But apart from that, this is the heart of where this information came from about saturated fats. You also, as you get into now saturated fats and brain health, and that really is the specialty of Dr. Kunain, and he refers to something as brain rescue. Is it possible to brain rescue somebody? So what happens? Um, a little background in his work is that what he's detected through his imaging and comparing both PET scans to uh, keto PET scans is that the brain manies people's brains. So it's not true for everybody, but it's very true for some and less true for others. Kind of like life, right? Is the brain starts to lose the ability to use glucose as a fuel for the brain. Well, that's a problem. So luckily, ketone, the ketone mechanism or the mechanism for brain cells to use ketones is pretty much unaffected. And I think it's 95% of the brain can use ketones, not 100%. So first question is, why does it lose its ability or its effectiveness, its efficiency to lose, use glucose? Well, it is believed that We've now lived in a half century, if not a century worth of high carb eating, high carb, low fat eating, apart from the whole processed garbage in our foods. It's been a high carb, low fat diet, and that's been the wrong thing. So we have, as a culture, we've been running high glucose in the 90s, in the 110. So as we all know, the diabetes is still rising, uh, certainly obesity, but that's an associated, not the same thing as diabetes. And because we have this huge population with, if not diabetes, type 2 diabetes, that you're not born with, that you acquired through diet, and prediabetes, this is a sustained exposure to the brain cells of high glucose. 
So it's the ongoing year after year of high glucose that the cells eventually start shutting down. And, and this makes perfect sense. There's when receptors, and it's kind of a truism for all receptors, they do it slightly differently in the body. When you have a neurotransmitter or something that's too sustained too high, the transmitters tend to slow, either die off, apoptosis, die off, or they tend to cycle through less quickly. And so there's fewer receptors. Therefore, that ocean of whatever that is, in this case, glucose, will be less effective and is sort of is saving the cell. So it doesn't get drowned in over glucose. It shuts down the receptors. So glucose becomes, you know, uh, harder, harder and harder to feed these cells. So ketones are the back backup, but ketones have to be, it's nothing really tricky about it. There's no real key receptors. I mean, there are some, but they're not as sensitive as glucose. And it really is about the percentage of ketones in the, in the blood. So if you have enough ketones in the blood, you're good. 95% of your brain cells will be able to eat, eat ketones, drink ketones. So it's about bringing ketones into your diet. And that comes through fasting, through having fats that convert to ketones, all the ketones. So that's interesting. Okay? So now, back to almost like five years later of his poster, it shows that he has plenty of slides that show from normal young people the percentage of glucose they take in, percentage of ketones, and then as people age, healthy people age, they get into mild cognitive impairment, which means that they cannot bring in as much glucose. And so what happens? The function of your brain starts to decrease. If you're not, if you're not also having that percentage of ketones to make up for the difference, then you tend to be what happens. Maybe it's, maybe it's, as he says, mild cognitive impairment can mean a lot of things. And not just memory, it could be speech, could be, you know, a lot of things. So that's what happens. So the, the interesting thing is, back to Dr. Kunain talking about brain rescue, it almost seems to be unbelievable that elevating the percentage of ketones, elevating the levels of ketones in the bloodstream can start to bring back some of the functions that were thought to be previously lost. So that is very dramatic, and it applies to everybody. So this prequel to talking with Stephen Kinane is basically to set a background for this person, and he's a really interesting person. I enjoy him very much, and he lives in, a, a I think, a, an amazing part of the world, Sherbrooke University, Outside of French Canada, when I was at uh, University of Toronto, they all make fun of the fun of the Quebecois. But truly, for anybody who's been to Quebec or even in, in Montreal, that and and Sherbrooke, that that bilinguality is a very special part of North America, and even the French think that the Quebecois are very special. So, with that, I will end this here, and I hope you enjoy listening to Dr. Stephen Canaan. Stephen is very enthusiastic in all the people he's met that I could have gone in that direction with this conversation as well, all the famous people, scientists and so on he's met over time. So you'll hear next us talking to each other. And I hope you'll forgive me for some of my inarticulate questions because I was over enthusiastic in talking to him. Till then, take care. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp. I thought I would take a moment of your time to tell you about something that we've been working on for a long time. 
And that is our product of C8 Keto MCT oil. How is it different and why would you even care about it? It's the highest purity you can find in the market, which is 99.7% caprylic acid triglyceride. And by the way, that's backed up by a certificate of analysis. It's not just me making up these numbers. But I think the bigger story behind our C8 MCT oil is not only that it is the most efficient way for you to create ketones naturally, and that is all three ketones, your beta-hydroxybutyrate, your acetoacetate, and your acetone. That's important. But the other part is it supports sustainably harvested palm oil. Why would you care? Because all the other C8 oil products out there, not the MCT oils, but the C8 MCT oils, some people call them ketogenic oils out there, they come from palm oil. And palm farming, specifically palm kernel farming in Southeast Asia, is decimating the rainforest there. Absolutely. You go on right now to Google or to YouTube and say palm oil Southeast Asia and you will be in tears at the end of 10 minutes when you see the destruction that's happening. This is not part of that. This is the exception. So it's called RSPO, Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil. You have to apply for it. You have to be audited by them. And it's a long, rigorous process. And it took us two years to bring this product to market. I hope you care. And I know you'll care about the efficiency in which it helps you make ketones. By the way, we don't drink this like it's a fluid. We put a little bit in our coffee. We make our mayonnaise out of it. We make uh, various salad dressings out of it when we have a salad. It's basically a, I hate to say crutch, but it's my aid to keeping me in ketosis when I want to be in ketosis. It's fast. It's long lasting, certainly long, longer lasting than exogenous ketones and much more holistic, as I mentioned, with all three ketones. That's about as much as I want to say. I hope you look into it. I hope you uh, take your ketones readings on a regular basis, as long with your glucose. If you do, then you really value this product. All the best, and I thought you should know.